morning good evening wherever you may be welcome to this edition of ringside ramblings we are just about a week away from the upcoming crown jewel pay-per-view and this episode of raw i think it was uh pretty crucial in trying to continue developing uh the road to uh, saudi arabia as so to speak um i didn't have a chance to catch raw i've watched some of the highlights I've uh, read the results of Raw, but I haven't been able to sit down and watch the full three-hour show. So that that got me thinking, well, what, what am I going to do here? I don't know how I can do a Raw review without having fully watched Raw. And then I realized the one and only wrestling connoisseur, Sam Kiola, he watched Raw. He was texting me about Raw. He knows about Raw. He watched it. And he certainly has his thoughts and opinions on it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to hand over the mic to the wrestling connoisseur, Sam Kiola. He's going to take us through Raw uh, from the very beginning. And I'll, I'll pipe in here every now and then. Uh, but uh, uh, get ready because I think this is going to be a, a fun and probably a, a brutally honest Raw review, knowing the wrestling connoisseur, Sam Kiola. Uh, so, Sam, why don't you take it away? I'm going to try to keep my composure here while I talk about such an awful Monday Night Raw. I I don't even know what to give it overall star rating wise a one or two or I, I, I don't know. Um, as our good friend Trucker Kyle said that Fox wants Raw to be the B show. And it really seems like it's working. I don't know if they took all the top producers. Um, but, wow. Uh, I'm just going to start off with, from the beginning, I guess, you know, they have Ric Flair come out. And um, apparently they've settled whatever issues Ric Flair had about the, being the man. Because uh, Flair has been there so much now. He's got to be earning a big paycheck um, but Ric Flair comes out to announce his last pick for Crown Jewel uh, which is coming up here shortly and uh, it's a good surprise it's Drew McIntyre glad to see Drew McIntyre back um, and they talk about how you know McIntyre is just going to run the gamut with uh, Team Hogan and um they have uh, Ricochet come out to face Drew McIntyre. And uh, you kind of expect this is going to be a competitive matchup. But um, I don't know who the producer of this match was, but it was all over the place. It was a cluster. Uh, there was just 
botches and missed marks and it just it looked bad it looked so bad um i don't know how many times i i counted my son's here laughing about this uh he watched with me and he's a baby and he can tell i'm sure that this was just a mess um yeah i mean it was just miss after miss after miss and the future champ is here too and it was like ricochet would go for a move and mcintyre would have to jump in front of him for it to hit um and i i don't know if it's just these two guys just haven't worked together that much or what you know i i don't think that's the case here i think it was just uh Maybe a last-minute match put together. I don't know. But it was awful. I, I thought it was awful. And I'm a big uh, Drew McIntyre fan. Not so much of Ricochet. I think he's talented. But I, I think he's a spot monkey. Um, so, yeah. This match just everywhere. Um, Drew McIntyre picking up the win. You know, I'm glad to see that. I think that pretty much means... Um, Team Hogan's going to win, no doubt, at, at Crown Jewel. But, um, wow, yeah, it just seemed it just seemed like his match was all over the place. And then they awkwardly cut to Ric Flair for a promo in the middle of the match. I, I don't know whose idea that was. That was awkward. Um, yeah, Drew McIntyre versus Ricochet. Uh, to start the show, no less, which you would think would be a, a good thing. Um, but it did, it just set the pace for the entire show, I felt. Which is not a good thing. And and I definitely have to agree with you. From what I saw, it came off a little bit awkward. Um, the Ricochet and Drew McIntyre match didn't really do it for me uh, from what I saw. Again, I wasn't able to really sit down and watch the whole thing. Uh, the whole show from start to finish, but I did see clips of this. The The whole thing came off a, a little bit awkward, uh, and I think some of the, the fanfare, at least on the uh, Twitter machine, uh, indicated that this didn't really come off, I think, how WWE was hoping it would come off uh, for whatever reason. So I think this might have kind of been a flop, uh, you know, McIntyre being added to Team Flair and everything like that, you would you would think you would want it to have a little bit more of an impact than it did. Um, so, not sure they they hit it out of the park with that one. Uh, so, what do we got next? Um, next up, we have um, the official, I guess, the official uh, re debut of Aleister Black on Monday Night Raw after. Um, they've called him up from NXT last year. Uh, he was, you know, all over the place and just, they've been rebooting him. He went to SmackDown and I don't know. They just never have seemed to be able to get their feet under him. But at the same time, they've been able to make anybody that he's faced less worthwhile in this whole mess. So, um, the good thing here is we got to see the debut of Jason Reynolds officially on Monday Night Raw. What did you think about the debut of Jason Reynolds? Who's that? Exactly. We got to see a another jobber on Monday Night Raw to face 
Alistair Black, and he got in a couple of blows here and there. And um, God, you know, I mean, seeing this sort of match, and here's the funny thing: this match was probably um, better than some of the other official, you know, like WWE Superstar matches, uh, which is really bad considering. So Alistair faced a local jobber for WWE, um, and you know, short match, Black gets the win with an impromptu Black Mass. He's had the match with Cesaro, the little, I don't even know if you call it a feud, but a couple matches here there with Cesaro. And uh, I think he had a match with Eric Young. Um, so why is he fighting jobbers again? I don't understand why he's fighting jobbers. If you're going to use the guy, use the guy. Have him out there. Have him facing people, even if it's just... You know, whatever random uh, WWE star that you're not ever going to push, have him face him. Let him beat Curtis Axel. Let him beat Bo Dallas. Let him beat Eric Young. Let him just keep going along the list until you can say, okay, well, Alistair has beaten all of these guys now. And then give us a feud with him at least. And and make it some general point. I you know the the match itself was okay but the overall character art for Alistair Black sucks and nobody cares zero people cares the arena did not care at all it was the quietest arena i've seen in a while so it's like what what is the point why bring him from NXT when NXT could have really used black this past uh, couple months, they could use him right now. Yay, he gets to be with his, his wife, I guess. That's the good part. I don't know. Uh, so this, this just did nothing for me. This was just filler. Yeah, absolutely. This this was just a filler match. Nothing really to comment on. Um, I know we've we've had mixed feelings about Aleister Black in the past. Um, and obviously, you know, he, he is on raw, he probably wants to be with his wife. They trying to keep the couples together together. Um, so th- this wasn't anything great. Um, Jason Reynolds, whatever the guy's name looked like crap. I mean, it was, it wasn't even a good enhancement talent. Um, so I, I don't think, I don't think there's anything left to say about this. What, what do we got next? All right. The next segment here is, um, Rusev being interviewed by Jerry Lawler in the quote-unquote King's Court. Um, I guess our new brought-back talk segment, Um, which who wouldn't want Jerry the King Lawler to do this because he already sucks on the commentary, so why not have him suck in the middle of the ring uh, these days? I mean, let's face it, nobody really cares for Lawler in these positions right now. Um, Paul Heyman wanted the new guys to come in to do commentary, and Vince's idea was bringing Lawler back to, I guess, guide them along. I don't know. I think Lawler's the weak link here. Anyway, Rusev segment. What's his Rusev's thoughts on Lana? Everybody hates this storyline going so far. Um I think the only thing they've successfully done is um, make the fans hate Lana. If they've even done that, I don't know. Um, 
You have Rusev saying that he would take Lana back basically in this. And I'm thinking nobody wants to see that now. And um, this has really done nothing for Bobby Lashley or as Rusev calls him Bob. Um, and the fans already love Rusev. So this whole feud is, seems pointless. Like nobody's going to get anything out of it. So, uh, yeah, Rusev runs off. He knows where they're at because it's so obvious that they're in that town. This is the restaurant, and they just, you know, yeah. So we come back to this segment later. Uh, Rusev running into the restaurant and and trying to beat up Bobby Lashley, basically. But um, apparently this restaurant so so... Um, high fancy price place that they have police on tap because he wasn't in the restaurant 20 seconds before like five cops poured into the restaurant uh which totally like kicked me out of it because if if it was security that'd be one thing but these these look like police officers they had badges and whatnot they didn't look like security to me i thought this would be something where they could easily just have like security written on the back of the shirts um but, yeah, I thought this was a really shit segment. And the the bad part about it was that this was probably one of the better segments all night. So, whatever that says about that. Um, yeah, I want to go to that restaurant, too. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's... Oh, I'm just beating my head on the wall watching this stuff. Four cops just show up. 20 seconds in they must be like right across from the police station it's always so convenient when the cops are just there and then ready to take someone into custody it always happens at the right time here here's my opinion okay this is probably one of the stupidest things i have seen in wrestling in a long time because as you said sam nobody is really going to benefit from this all we do all we're doing right now is hating lana we don't want to see Rusev get back with her. And Lashley's just kind of there. I mean, he's not, he's not, he's not benefiting. I mean, this, th- there's nothing to gain out of having a segment like this, an angle storyline like this. There's nothing to gain for anybody because all, all it's doing at this point is still, in my opinion, uh, Rusev is looking like a chump. I mean, even when he was attacking Lashley, it didn't seem like he had that fire and that intensity that someone would have when somebody else is banging your wife. So for me, this was a complete and utter fail. It will continue to be a complete and utter fail, and hopefully they will just pull the plug on this thing before it's too late. Before they put the final nail in the coffin of the career of Rusev, hopefully they will pull the trigger and uh, just end this whole thing. Because like you said, nobody wants to see them get back together at this point. Lana is... is, uh, getting the worst of this and it's not in a good way this isn't the kind of heat that we necessarily want someone to have this is the kind of heat where we just want it to end okay this is probably my uh my favorite yeah my favorite botch of the night was this uh this this match really i guess uh adrade versus sincaro and i was just like holy Cow, I haven't seen Sin Cara in forever. And uh yeah, Sin Cara. And I'm like, wow, he's he's back. I, I don't 
I don't know what to think about this. And um, they they make it noted, like, oh, you know, Sin Cara's been gone for like a whole year. And then they really be, beef him up, like, oh, Sin Cara, you know, all this, he's been doing all these things with the communities and blah, 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 blah. And here he is with his son and yada, 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 all this stuff. And um, they have the match. And there's a, there's a few botches in this matchup. Uh, I was kind of like, well, okay, maybe he's been gone a while. The ring rust. But then they, they make it a point to say, you know, he, uh, he came back here a little bit ago um, in ring in his hometown and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, well, you know, there was a couple botches here. You know, there was like a messed up uh, slam from um, Adrade. You know, I don't know if what happened there and then there's a couple other spots that kind of botched up uh but my my biggest problem with this match was they made it competitive Adrade, easily one of the top uh in-ring guys that they have as far as heel work um and entertainment value i would say across wwe um they really done nothing with him unless they want a good main event match on a tv show um, with that said, they made the match competitive. Sinkara's raw return, lots of raw returns. His raw return, very competitive with all the ring rust against Adrade. Uh, to me, this devalues Adrade. Not just that, but how does Adrade win after all these big moves? Four foot nothing, Zelina Vega hits a uh, Hurricanrana off the apron, uh, which the ref pretended like he didn't see. And that is what takes out Sin Cara. Whole match, you have a guy that's like 30,000 times bigger than his manager beating up Sin Cara, but the 60-pound Hurricanrana is what takes him out for Adrade to hit his finisher and win. What kind of psychology is that for a wrestling match? I mean, really, let's let's really think about where this move, this spot should be in the match. This should be in the big comeback. Say Sincaro is making his big comeback against Adrade. It goes to the outside for whatever reason. The referee's not paying attention. The referee's down, whatever. And then Zelina... It cheats for Adrade. She hits the Hurricanrana. It's enough to turn the tide of the match so that Sinkara can come back and and really make the difference. I'm not Sinkara. Adrade can come back and really make the difference and win the match. Instead, they really use this as the point that takes Sinkara out. I mean, this is the this is where the match not only just turned. This took him out of the match. I, I thought it was ridiculous. I, I can see this spot being used to distract, to, to change the pace, to shift the match. But that would be the midpoint, three quarters of the way through, or even the opening. You know, Sinkara really having that shine and then this point hitting so that Adrade can start his heat and then do the rest of the match. I do not see this move as a finish for the match, essentially, or at least a setup for the finish of the match. I thought it was poorly done. 
you know, like I said, tiny, tiny woman. Um, and she just hitting her Karana. This move was less than any other move Adrati did during that. Right? Tell us about it. Right. So, yeah, for me, this was a, this was a real a big downer for me. Um, I just, you know, the show's flowing along and this is, it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Psychology-wise, in-ring-wise, um, segments, it's just, just an awful show. See, somebody's getting upset now. Right? I was upset too. And I, I don't get, I don't blame him for getting upset at all. I mean, I, I would get upset too. Look, you're you're absolutely right. The psychology uh, in these matches, the purpose behind these matches, nothing about these matches on WWE TV really matters. And I don't know what the purpose of this is. This isn't necessarily how you're going to build a star. Um, I I didn't know Sin Cara was still around. I, I didn't know he was still under contract. I, I didn't know anything about Sin Cara. I haven't thought about Sin Cara in a very, very long time. So what is that going to do? This doesn't do anything uh, except, I don't know, make you want to flip the TV off. Okay, so next up, we got to have a Viking Raiders uh, versus somebody match. Um, since they're tag champions, they really want to push Viking Raiders. So who do we have uh, team-wise? Who's been drafted to Raw team-wise? Um, I've got no clue. So let's just do face versus face because that makes sense, right? Um, and it, it could work. Don't get me wrong. This this match could work. Former champions, Zack Ryder, Kurt Hawkins, um, Facing the War Raiders or Viking Raiders or Viking Experience. I don't know who they are. Uh, I, I feel like if, if you're going to do this, maybe this should have had a little bit more buildup. Um, maybe you could have used this match for the buildup. Instead, they just dominated the former champs. Um, easy match. It was just, it was pointless. Why, why have the match if there's nothing going to be? Again, filler. This was just filler, and it was nothing. Viking Raiders pick up a win. Um, I don't know. It's just, what are you going to do with these guys? What are you going to do with these guys, you know? Um, What's the point of doing that anyway? I don't know. I don't know what the point is. I really don't. Um, yeah. Here's the thing, okay? We are trying to build heat for these guys. We're, we're trying to, to continue to, to get them over as the tag champs, and, and we're giving them opponents, again, who have faded into obscurity and don't mean anything to the WWE universe collectively. And that is a problem. That's a problem. Uh, when it comes to the War Raiders, obviously, you know they're they're 
pretty talented tag team. They've been tagging for a while, as they alluded to uh, in their promo, I believe it was last week, after they won the titles. Uh, you know, we were champions in, in New Japan Pro Wrestling, IWGP. We were the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions. And now we're the Raw Tag Team Champions. Like, everybody marked out over that promo. Oh, my God, they said New Japan. Oh, my God, they said Ring of Honor. But the thing is, that's not enough. That's not enough for me or anybody else to solidify the the, the legitimacy of this tag team. It's going to take more than just name-dropping other promotions to help a team. Well, we consider that such a mind-blowing and edgy thing for some reason. But in my opinion, it's going to take a lot more than that to keep these guys relevant. And a win like they got on Monday is not going to be enough to keep them in the upper echelon of tag teams. Um, so so that, that's just my take on it. Um, what, what do we got next? What do we got next? So the next segment may, may be my favorite part of Monday Night Raw. It, it definitely uh, was a highlight of the show. Uh, in my opinion, you have Rey Mysterio come out and deliver a forgettable promo. But then you have Shelton Benjamin come down. And Shelton did an amazing job here. Shelton never given quite enough credit. Um, they've, they usually give him a lot of crap to work with. But I feel like him coming out and delivering this promo about Brock Lesnar, how Brock's his family... How they were roommates, how he taught you know Brock how to wrestle, all this stuff. I thought it was great. I I wish they had had something more for him here. Uh, maybe even an impromptu Shelton versus Kane Velasquez match uh, didn't happen. Velasquez does come out, but uh, that's when this kind of shifts and and turns south. You know, I mean, they wrestle around for a little bit and. Kane kind of gives a few body punches and headshots, and they looked awful, in my opinion. I know this guy's a legit MMA fighter, but I'd like to see him work a little bit tighter in this regard. Uh, those punches were about a foot away from Shelton, you know, from any contact whatsoever, it looked like. So, um, this looked bad, in my opinion, but the, the good part was Shelton. Yeah, don't you think so, too? Yeah. And the thing is, with Shelton, no matter what he's involved in, he can always make something look better. Uh, I've always been a big fan of Shelton Benjamin. I think the ship may have sailed uh, about 10 years ago, at least, on Shelton Benjamin um, to, to get his big world title run that I still feel like he deserves. Um, but... This, this was an interesting choice of, of wrestlers to put into this segment, and I think Shelton did a tremendous job. Uh, Cain Velasquez, on the other hand, did not do uh, an incredible job. As you said, those punches looked absolutely terrible. Um, there, there was nothing impressive ab about it. And honestly, I have a hard time buying into uh, being able to take a, a proven legitimate athlete like Shelton Benjamin and have him get manhandled by Cain Velasquez um, now, don't get me wrong. I know Kane is legitimate in MMA as well. I get that, but when you're putting two legitimate fighters together like that, I don't, I don't necessarily believe, especially with Shelton's uh, ground and pound game and his wrestling ability. I'm not sure he would have gotten manhandled so easily. Um, that that was my only complaint about it. 
um, that and and the punches from Kane because I, I think that was completely underwhelming and it looked horribly fake. Um, even though wrestling is scripted, uh, as you know, the whole point where we want to make this stuff look real. Uh, we want there to be a struggle. We want there to be uh, uh, some knit and grit, you know, in, in these matches, in these segments. And I don't feel like there was any uh, in this match. So Shelton just basically kind of had to lay there while Kane Velasquez uh, punched the air. So that I wasn't a big fan of how that came off. Um, so that that's my opinion on it. Uh, what do we got next? So um, let's see where are we at by this point. We've had a couple of uh, segments build up. To this match, we have um, an introduction of Umberto Carrillo. Carrillo, Carrillo, Carrillo. We got Umberto. We get Umberto in his Jushin Thunder Liger outfit, and uh, he tries to cut a little promo um, earlier on. Uh, I think he like totally had stage fright. Um, then next time we see him, his Jushin Thunder Liger outfit missing the shirt. Yeah, missing the shirt. And, um, yeah, maybe he did have a coughing fit, too. Um, he has another little interview. And uh, Seth Rollins shows up. And there's a little bit of confrontation there. Um, and we get, the you know, this match set up. So, Umberto versus Rollins. By the time the match starts and we get them in the ring, the Jushin Thunder Liger outfit's gone. Umberto Thunder Liger not a thing anymore which really made me sad um but we get a, a you know a pretty decent match to show hey this kid is gonna be somebody um and i'm fine with that i thought the match itself looked pretty good it really showcased umberto um of course rollins gonna come out with the victory here i i, I feel like there were some missteps in story you know what they could have done uh, we don't, we don't get Bray Wyatt at all. You know, um, I thought that was a bit of a letdown for this. Uh, no Bray Wyatt whatsoever. We don't get a Rollins that is freaked out that maybe Bray is going to show up. Maybe Rollins should have been paranoid here. Maybe just something, something should have happened more than just. I'm the universal champion. Yeah, I got a storyline going on, but I'm going to break from that storyline and shake this kid's hand. Uh, nothing. This was just a, you know, like there had been no Fiend storyline going all this time. So, uh, I don't know. Maybe th th this could have been a good point to turn Rollins heel. They don't have a plan to turn Rollins heel, apparently. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It, it it is what it is, I guess, but I I feel like they dropped the ball. They really could have done something, um, something with this, you know. If and here's the thing, what are they gonna do next week and the week after and the week after that? Are they really gonna use Umberto? I mean, you just had him really take the fight to the Universal Champion. You had him have a good showing. Um, you know, is he just going to fall to the to the wayside now? Is he just going to be working matches with uh, the Luchas or or what? You know, what's he going to be doing after this point? Because if he's not going to be a big deal 
why have this segment? You know, we we already have so much talent that they act like they want to push. Not everybody can be pushed. So was it, you know, was it the right choice to have Umberto being um, highlighted here? You know, why not have Aleister Black in this match? You know, that seems like it would have made more sense to me than Umberto. But it is what it is. Umberto Carrillo, obviously, was a strange choice to kind of put in this situation. Um, I, I keep wanting to call him Umberto Del Rio, but obviously that's not right. Um, it, it came off as, as a little bit forced to me um, from what I saw anyway. Um, I don't. I can't honestly say I've seen this guy wrestle a full match. Um, from what I did see in his match with Seth, there's a lot of spots, a lot of spots, and I feel like we don't have any more room for spot monkeys. Um, I, I don't know what the end goal is. Um, obviously, you know they they had the the sign the show of respect at the end of the match. Uh, shaking each other's hand, this and that. So I think they're trying to give the rub to Umberto Carrillo, but it it's not doing it for me. Uh, it's not doing it for me at all. Um, I don't I don't think it's going to be long until uh, Umberto kind of disappears and and starts working dark matches and main event shows and uh. Nothing more to say about that. Uh, so uh, up next, I believe we have the main event. Uh, Sam, let me ask you: Do you do you want to get the smoke? We want the smoke. Uh, we want the smoke. So that's that's pretty much the entirety of uh, Street Profits. <clears throat> yeah, so far has been singing and dancing, and yeah, I, I agree. It's it's been bad. That's absolutely right. Street Profits in NXT were way, 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 way better than Street Profits on Raw. And then, don't get me wrong, these guys are talented, they can talk, they're entertaining. But it seems like their characters in NXT were much, much more better. Yeah, were way better than what they're being perceived at on Monday Night Raw. Um, so, I mean, and this has been building for a while. They've had them on Raw for months doing just this joke of a gimmick, in my opinion. Um, and then you finally have them come out here in the debut. The, o, the OC beat them down last week. This is the match that's supposed to take place. Um, this is your main event now, remember. And, man, how competitive was this matchup? I... I have issues here. Again, psychology. Psychology of wrestling in the ring. You have a guy. There was a, there was a point in this match. There was a spot. A double clothesline, which in of itself seems pretty old school. The double clothesline. Both men are down. Who's going to get up to tag their partner first? Here's the problem. You have Montez Ford, who is probably... 180 pounds, soaking wet, at most. Um, 
I mean, this guy wishes he was as big as Kofi Kingston. He wishes he could be on 205 Live now that it's not there anymore. So, I mean, and I like Montez Ford. He's, if they do it right, this, this, this guy can, can be a big contender in WWE. He could be the next underdog Rey Mysterio type character that they're trying to do with Jesus. It seems like everybody especially everybody from 205 Live that they like. I think Montez Ford could be that guy. And I think he he has talent that exceeds some of these other guys. He definitely has personality more than these other guys. My problem here is that you have a 160-pound guy, 180-pound guy, double clotheslining the man that was once positioned to be fake Kane. I'm talking about six foot nine, three hundred pound Luke Gallows. These guys double clotheslined. In what universe, besides WWE universe, obviously, does it make sense that Luke Gallows double clotheslining Montez Ford that both men would go down? Now, if this was Carl Anderson, I wouldn't have any problem with it. I'm a huge Carl Anderson fan. Carl's probably about 6'1", and I would say he's probably like 210 right now at most. He may even be like 180 pounds right now himself, 190 pounds. He's trimmed down a lot. He's ripped, but he's not huge. Not like he was in Japan. So, yeah, I I can believe that. If you saw these, Carl... And Montez double clothesline, absolutely believable. You see big Luke Gallows in there. It is not believable that these two guys would collide and Gallows would go down at all. At most. Do you know what I would have to say if Braun would do that? I mean, you know, this is essentially... It would be like having Montez Ford and Braun Clyde and then having a double Braun go down with a double clothesline. It would make no sense whatsoever. Gallows is huge. Almost as big as Braun. And if Braun and Gallows collided, I could see it. But Montez Ford and the Gallows? No Come way. on. Where, no is, where is the psychology Braun. in that? Right? I mean, it just, it doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't make any sense. Um, I would understand if Gallows just got a little hurt. Yeah, like if he stumbled back a little bit and then tagged Anderson. But, yeah, it just, it's, I got hung up on this. It took me straight out. This is just the way the night has gone with Monday Night Raw. Awful show. Uh, I think AJ gets ejected and um, the Street Profits pick up the win. Uh, but really, I mean, here, here's my other thing. How, how are you going to use Gallows and Anderson as the fall guys every week and them keep their value up? Um, the reason why is that they get no heat at all. 
in return. Zero heat at all in return. I mean, yeah, last week they beat them down, but seriously, there's. at what point are you going to say, okay, these are former two-time tag team champions of WWE? They should make them I mean, champions. They were, and then they lost it, like, the next day. You've got to build these guys up somewhat so this means something. Because this this whole match just seemed like a joke, honestly. Um, AJ at ringside, your US champion at ringside, and he gets kicked out for headlocking Montez Ford. Front face lock. You're out of here. Um, at least let him have hit him with something. I mean, it just, I don't know. It, the production level, the producers of these matches, I, I don't know who it is, you know. I don't know who's out there producing these matches anymore. Uh, but I, I thought the entire show from top to bottom, the producing of the matches sucked. There was zero psychology. Zero. Absolutely none. Um, it just, it, it, none of it made any sense. And what are we building toward? Honestly, what is any of this show building toward, what do we get to see next week? What do I have to look forward to to watch? I, I don't have nothing in, I can really think of. I mean, they built built up toward Crown Jewel some, which if, if you're in WWE management, you have to understand that a large portion of your audience is already boycotting this just because it's Saudi Arabia. So what are you building to? It's it's mind-boggling to me because there's no psychology here in the matches. There's there's nothing you're building toward um, other than one or two matches for Crown Jewel. And then we we really didn't have anything built toward Bray or Seth Rollins. Um, you know, what feud is AJ even in? What do we have going on with him? You know, it, it's... I'm... I have no idea what WWE is planning at this stage. You have the most talented roster in the world. You have mega bucks at your fingertips. You have your own network. You're signing these big deals and the delivery is subpar. And people wonder why. WWE gets the heat that they do about this sort of thing. Why do people hate on them? I wonder. I wonder. Why? You know, we, we talk we have this one segment where they say, oh, the, oh the, these, these guys are going to make a definite impact. Where was Eric Rowan? Why don't we see something with Eric Rowan? After the big... After the big ordeal he was with in SmackDown. Nothing. Nothing. So, it is what it is. Raw sucked. I don't know if it even has a rating for me this week. If I had a rate it, it wouldn't be a four. It wouldn't be a five. Uh, I would say it would probably be about three dirty diapers. According to this guy, what do you think? Yeah, at least at least two dirty diapers.
So it is what it is. I don't I don't expect much from Raw at this point. It's definitely not a B show. I would say uh, this past Raw would be the C show of the week. And uh, it's the first show. And its only hope is that NXT and SmackDown just suck the living life out of everything. Uh, because if I would rate Raw, SmackDown, and NXT, right now I'd say by default, you know, obviously Raw is on top because nothing else has been shown yet. But it's probably going to be the C show of the week between the three. Um, I wouldn't doubt if ratings tank next week for Raw just because of this week's episode. It is what it is. Wow. Well, there you have it. It is what it is. Um, obviously, this was not a very good episode of Monday Night Raw. And for those of you out there who want to say, well, just John, you didn't actually watch uh, the full entirety. That You didn't take three hours out of your life to sit down and watch this full episode of Raw. To you, I say, I've been watching wrestling for over 20 years. I'm pretty sure I have a good idea of how this stuff, stuff would come off on TV. Um, and just looking at the results alone, I can tell whether or not uh, there is a discrepancy in any of the booking. And to say uh, that this was a good show, you're completely out of your mind. So with that said, um, I think that's about it for Raw. Um, we, we spent so much time talking about it. Uh, we spent a lot of time watching it. And it's it's I don't want to devote any more time of my life at this very moment to talk about Monday Night Raw. Uh, so, Sam, thank you very much for doing this. Um, thank you for breaking down the Raw card for everyone out there. Um, I completely agree that that this is, is largely a filler show uh, with little payoff and uh, just kind of having a wrestling show just to have a wrestling show. There's, there's no inspiration in anything that WWE is doing right now. And that's across all three brands. I don't care all of you out there who are all hard on NXT right now. I'm not, I'm not what, what what's so special about NXT that there's not a uh, hundred other independent promotions out there what, that they're not doing because it's being done. It's being done across the country. It's being done with uh, rooms of 50 people and 500 people and five to 10,000 people because AEW is a better NXT than NXT even is. Uh, but that, that's enough for now. Um, up next, guys, thank you very much for listening to this. But uh, we're going to have an NWA Power number three review coming up. If you want to hear the positive side of the Squared Circle Journal, make sure to listen to the upcoming NWA Power uh, review by yours truly and maybe we can get the wrestling connoisseur in there for a little bit uh, make sure to like us on itunes subscribe give us five stars uh do all that good stuff retweet this do whatever you need to do get the word out there for the scj podcast and uh furthermore thank you very much to adam massacre for the squared circle journal theme song make sure to check the show notes uh head on over to youtube click the link there and give it a full listen. Great, great heavy track uh, by Adam Massacre. That's going to do it uh, for today, guys. Thank you very much for listening. And until next time, this has been Ringside Ramblings. Thanks for that wonderful introduction there, John. Uh, man, what a what an episode this was. I would recommend for anybody to go watch. Uh, my thoughts are going to be all over the place because you did such a wonderful job of covering everything, honestly. Uh, number one, I have a hankering for tire irons and waffles. Let me just say that. Uh, it's, it's morning here in Hawaii, so absolutely hankering for waffles. Um, 
Man, I, I tell you what, they've done a great job of endearing Tim Storm to the fans. I followed the NWA loosely before this. Um, you know, I saw a couple matches when Tim Storm was world champion. Uh, I believe he was heel at the time. He was at least when I, from what I saw. Um, and he did great, you know. Uh, I couldn't believe this guy was 50 years old when I first saw him. You know, this, this guy is in excellent shape. Um, these matches, they have some great old-school feel to them. I love the fact that we're getting Eli Drake peppered in right now, um, him coming in as this all-enthusiastic baby face. Uh, we saw him last week with James Storm. Now we see him asking Tim Storm to be his tag partner, which I think is a perfect pairing at the moment. And um, so I'm, I'm really excited to see where all this leads. Uh, the Dawsons, actually, uh, weirdly enough, it's, um, I think I've watched this tag team before, but I believe they're under a different name. They really remind me of uh, a tag team that I used to watch up in the Pacific Northwest that went by the the uh, um, uh, Blanchards. I'm not sure if it's the same team or not, but they were they were really husky like this team. So I'm going to have to look that up and get back to you on that one. But, uh, yeah, I mean, two big guys. I, I'm not fond of their appearance or anything. Um, but, it, you know, two big guys, they they make the other teams look smaller uh, for sure. So consummate heels, I mean, I, I would like to see something more played up with them, um, a better look or something to, to really – uh, you know, get our emotions pumping to really make them look uh, like these big badass heels instead of just a one-off boot of each other. But presentation aside, I thought the Eli Drake, Tim Storm storyline, uh, I like it. I like to see where it goes. And like you said, at the end of the match, we have the chant come out. Nick Aldis comes out to check on Tim Storm, and there seems to be this... Uh, respect at least between the two you know they've gone to war they've both been honorable and this is like a somewhat of a brotherhood aspect going on here and i'm wondering where this is all going to lead because like you said uh the continuation of storylines across the board moving forward at all points uh the whole part with camille um and why is is Nick Aldis uh, keeping her quiet, or at least at least um, protecting her in some manner? You know, there there could be an, another view of this. Uh, is what I'm I'm seeing. Perhaps he's protecting her in some order. And um, you know, you have Eli Drake there. And you have Tim Storm, and I'm like, where do these three fit together? What pieces of the puzzle do we have here? Uh, with with Nick Aldis acting a little more honorable at the moment, despite being a heel, um, I'm I'm wondering where this will lead. Are we going to see Tim Storm turn heel and Nick Aldis uh, become more of a babyface? Are we going to see? Maybe some alignment between Eli Drake and uh, Nick Aldis as the heels. Um, 
at some point in this, I believe there's going to be a turn, uh, not just a turn, but probably a double turn, because all this is, by all means, um, a heel right now. I think we're going to see him become a babyface, and either this lead to Eli Drake heel turn, Tim Storm heel, heel turn, or maybe both. Um, so I think this this is going to be a major storyline moving forward that's uh, going to have large ramifications for the entire company. I think at the same time, we got former Damian Sandow in our back pocket. Uh, I can't wait to see what they're going to do with him. Uh, little man back here, too. Really looking forward to that. So, yeah, big stuff coming for NWA. I can't wait to see uh, what happens at the pay-per-view and the next couple of episodes. I mean, this is this is good stuff. This is good wrestling. Um, even it's even a little rough around the edges aspect because I mean these are a lot of indie wrestlers. Some of them, um, you know, some of them flow better than the others. Some of them are up and coming. Some of them are veterans. But uh, these are the things that I kind of like to see, and I can forgive a lot looking at the product just because of what it is uh, compared to a multi-billion-dollar company um, and all the training that they receive. So, yeah, I mean, good stuff moving forward with this retro look NWA power. I can't wait. I can't wait to, to catch each episode every week. And it's uh, it's doable. 45-minute episode on YouTube. Easy to catch, easy to watch whenever you want it. It's right there. Um, yeah, it's good stuff. Really good stuff. Can't wait to see what happens next. Uh, I'm just going to wrap it up here for Ringside Ramblings. This has been our uh, NW Power uh, review, episode number three. If you haven't caught it, catch it. And uh, binge it, whatever you got to do. Get familiar with the product. You're already familiar with a lot of the wrestlers. You know, like we said, there's uh, Aaron Stevens, formerly known as Damian Sandow, Eli Drake, uh, Nick Aldis, formerly Magnus, Impact Wrestling. You got Kingston, you got Homicide, mix all that together. Ken Anderson, Colt Cabana, lots of familiar faces, good talent. Mix that with a lot of indie talent uh, that's been out there for a while. And and you've got a great product with a, a great presentation, great theme going forward, uh, thought put into it. And and they they know where they're going. And I think that's the biggest thing. They know the direction they want to go in. And uh, compare that to a lot of the mainstream products right now who change on a weekly basis because they're so afraid of ratings. They're so afraid of, of getting viewerships and uh, making the right and the wrong choices. And typically that panic serves them wrong. Uh, doesn't seem like NWA Power is worried about that at all. They know what they want to do. They're putting out a great product, and it shows. Definitely catch it. This has been Ringside Ramblings, brought to you by Square Circle Journal. Uh, for the Just John Fair, I'm Sam Keola, the wrestling connoisseur, and we will catch you next time.